Hello, I'm Andrew Gentile. And I'm Ariana. And you're listening to... Sorry? Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) No worries. I'll I'll, I'll introduce you. I'll introduce you. Okay, let's start over. Okay, sorry. No worries. And you're listening to Behind the Flicks. This show is all about me sharing as many facts as I know about filmmaking and directors and behind-the-scenes info about movies and whatnot to Ariana. And you'll join us for the ride. Our guest today is Lamis El Masri. Did I get it? Yeah, okay, you got cool. it. Our guest today is Lamise El Masri, a writer and graduate of the New York Film Academy, and we're thrilled to have her on today's episode. Lamise, how are you? Yeah, I'm doing wonderful. Thank you. Thanks for having me. How are you guys? Well, I'm doing great. Fantastic. Me too. I'm so excited to talk about this movie. <laughs> me too. Before feel- we do... Go ahead. No, you go. I was going to say, I feel like it's a little... Um, fan servicing like in the sense that it's such a mainstream title like i don't want people to think that we're you know uh, like fan grabbing or like title you know we're not doing it just for the giggles this is a favorite of our guests yes it's big big news here i can't wait to hear talk about it me too i'm uh i'm this is this is fun this is a fun movie yeah um but before we do that lamise can you please share a little bit about yourself, your journey, why, and how did you become a writer? Um, I honestly never really knew what I liked or never knew what I really wanted. I always found myself defaulting into like English literature, reading, writing. Um, and I guess that just kind of carved out a natural path, I guess. Um, I was born and raised here in the United States, but both of my parents immigrated from Palestine. So a big part of the reason why I decided to go into writing, particularly film writing, was to try and produce some more accurate, like, first-generation Muslim-American type of experiences that, you know, like, unfortunately, we don't really have, especially as a woman, too. And so that was kind of like one of the biggest pushes. Um, But growing up, I went to a private school. It was like this Arabic Islamic private school. And I went there for four years. And I met some wonderful people there. Like they're still lifelong friends of mine. But then after that, I left the fourth grade. And then I went to public school in the fifth grade. And I experienced my own type of like culture shock. Because the way that they facilitated things in the private school and the way that they facilitated things in public school were very different completely different. I had no idea how to act. Like I think about like my social skills back then. And like, I mean, you know, they're not that much better now, but like, I, I feel you. Like, I feel on that one. And it was like my own type of culture shock. And so what I did was, yeah, I tried to make friends and I did make some friends, but I went into books and I kept on reading and reading and reading and reading. And I would check out like, like I was on a first name basis with a librarian when I was 10 years old. Um, when I went to middle school, when I was in elementary school, there was a, a a limit on how many books you could check out. When I got into middle school, there was no limit. So I would check out like 20 books at a time, read them and then do that. And then like just my love for reading turned into a love for writing. And so I ended up getting my bachelor's degree in creative writing with a concentration of fiction from George Mason University here in Fairfax, Virginia. And then when COVID hit, I was like, I'm just going to go get my master's because I could start online and then transfer um, once everything opened back up. And then I went to Los Angeles, finished at the New York Film Academy, and then I got my master's. And yeah, here we are. What transitioned you from like writing at, for novels and books to like doing film was there was there a turning point or were you just like doing research and were like I'm gonna try out film and then fell in love with it it was I think I part of me always wanted to write for film or always wanted something to do with like entertainment in the sense of like I like to talk and I like to meet new people and like I always had a story to tell and so I could naturally like started writing stories and there was publishing novels and yeah you would share that story with however many people read the book but I found that like you know writing for film like if everything lines up correctly then you end up telling like this one wonderful story to like the most amount of people all at once and I just 
wanted to talk to people. And so I was like, and I'm also a pretty visual person too. So I was like, let me just try it out. And um, I wanted that representation too. So it just kind of all, I don't want to call it a happy marriage. It all worked out. All the things you wanted. Yeah. (laughs) I think that's awesome. (laughs) Totally. Ariana. Yes. Can we please get a review of this episode's film? Oh, a review of this epic film that everybody in America loves for the most part? Sure, let's give it a whirl. (laughs) This episode's film is, you guessed it, Pirates of the Caribbean. The original Curse of the Black Pearl, the original movie that made us all fall in love with the series. It's planted a seed of love of pirates and accents and dirt um, and water for probably the rest of my life, as many, many others. Um, as, a, as a standalone movie, it's, I, it's just complex enough in its story and its plot to have many a twist and turn without being confusing. It's got some pretty rich characters with good backstory. Um, it's all about, if I, for people that haven't seen it, let's give a, give a nutshell <laughs> review of what goes on in the film. There's basically this big bad pirate ship called the Black Pearl with a cursed crew. And there was a, a lovely eccentric, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Captain that, what do they call it when they, uh, uh, oh, mutiny. Captain for which they mutinied. And uh, he gets abandoned or gets abandoned on an island and is eventually found by the one person that can save this cursed crew amongst many shenanigans of which ensue. There's lost loves. There's a chase to be a hero. There's an acceptance of someone's history in the main character of Will Turner. And there's just everybody has something that they want. And that's what I think makes it so wonderful to watch and um, mix that with a whole bunch of action and crazy characters and you've got Pirates of the Caribbean and uh, yeah I would give this movie uh, I mean I'm so easy to please I think with movies like this so it's an A for me I mean even just I've watched it so many times in my adulthood and re-watching it today it was like comfortable it was just sitting there like watching my childhood enjoying myself getting the laughs in, getting the joy out of all of the liners that we all know. And um, it's just, to me, it's it's timeless. That's the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> I actually saw this movie, and they did a uh, re-release of the movie in theaters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to say back in July, I think it was June or July. I saw, I saw this movie on re-release. and uh, For with- the first time? No, uh, but I saw this is the first time I was seeing it in theaters. For the uh, I've seen it at home plenty of times, but uh, in theaters, my first time. Okay. I saw it with my manager from work, uh, George Michael uh, Mahosik. Shout out to George Michael, and it's his favorite movie of all time. So oh. I just wanted to uh, give him a shout out on this podcast. Uh, let let him know, let him feel the love, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was uh, it was a lot of fun to see this kind of movie on the big screen. Mm-hmm. Lamise, what made you choose this film for your episode? Why do you like it? How did it influence you? Well, to answer your question, it's my favorite movie of all time. It's just such a great movie series as well. I know some people have like their own complaints, but we all have our opinions and some of them are wrong. So like, <laughs> but um, I, when I first watched this movie, I was a kid. Like I, I like and it scared me actually. So I remember the first time I watched this movie, I was a kid and like there was the the scene when they're all in the moonlight and everything like that terrified me. And so I watched the majority of the movie like through my fingers pretty much. Um and so I have very vague memories of it the first time. And then when I don't know which one it was that came out in theaters I don't know if it was the second or the third one when it came out in theaters and it just like blew up no it was um pretty sure it was the third one it like blew up in theaters there was all this pirates merch everywhere and I'm like 
I'm obsessed. And I went and rewatched everything and I grew even more obsessed and I hyper fixated on this movie um, and everything about it. Like I love from the characters, the adventure, the comedy, the I really enjoy the dialogue and the score, like the music. When I was in like middle school to high school, I played the flute and we played Pirates of the Caribbean theme music and I still have the the sheet music from middle school or high school today. And I took it with me when I moved to California for my master's degree, but I left my flute here in Virginia. So I just brought the Pirates of the Caribbean sheet music with me just for the sake of like having it. So um, <laughs> I like the music would always get me so pumped up. You know how there was that period of time where there was the the little individual trampolines and those were, that was like the big fitness thing. Um, my mom got it for like me and my siblings because there's so many of us and we have so much energy. So I would blast the Pirates of the Caribbean theme music at the highest volume and just jump up and down on that trampoline. So when I tell you that like that movie like affected so much of my life, just in the sense of like, I wanted that super fun adventure. I want that like really tight bond with like the people that are around you or, you know, I might've like shaped my personality a little bit, just be a little kooky, just like Jack Sparrow, but like who hasn't? <laughs> so it's, it, you know, there's just so much that about the movie and just in general about pirates in general that I just love. Um, and it's just like near and dear to me, my heart. Anyway. How, how would you say if it has, has pirates in, care of the Caribbean influence your work at all in terms of the dialogue, in terms of the characters that teach you anything in terms, or did uh, just, or was it just a fun time? It, it's a bit of both actually. So it, after like studying writing for film and writing for this screen and like going back and watching the whole Pirates of the Caribbean series again, um, because you know, finals, you're stressed. You just want that comfort. So I binged all of the movies and I would like, pick them pick at them like as if I was studying them for school um and I actually did like bring a couple of scenes to show to the class and everything like that but like I would pick up little tidbits here and there that like I didn't really notice before I became like a screenwriter I just like all of the little I guess the connective tissue between all of the movies with the lore and the legends and just like how fantastical this world is with all the mythology and like the way everything works. So the biggest influence it had on my writing, I will say, is that like when it comes to like the chaotic, I guess, dynamic between like the main cast and all the characters, like a few of my own pieces of work have like really big casts and have a bunch of characters. So like it's, it's the relationships between each character that I kind of like hold from a little bit um, with my characters and their dialogue and stuff like that. And it's just like be kooky stuff, you know, I don't use the word kooky, but like, I feel like it's, <laughs> it, it works for this film to be it's honest. It's a good word. It's hard to describe it in, in our language anyway so i think kooky's a good place to live i mean certainly jack sparrow is a little he's a little he's a little kooky yeah just a little just, just, he, he might be a big eccentric <laughs> i think that's safe to say he's got a big personality right are we ready for the facts i'm so excited for the facts uh but i i want to I'm gonna I'm gonna do something unusual. I'm gonna say the first sentence, then I want to have a discussion about the first sentence of my script. Okay. Pirates of the Caribbean starred life as a theme park ride at Disneyland when in 2001 Walt Disney Pictures began work to adapt that ride into a movie. Now, isn't that like a, a, a back in 2001? That was a crazy idea, a little bit, right? To adapt a ride into a movie. What do you got? Like, I remember that being a big thing when it was released. was like, what? They're really scraping the bottom of the barrel now. Yeah, I think so. I mean, because the ride itself, it's more like um, environment. Yeah. It's, it's like gives you a place to go, but not really people to go off of or a mythology to build from or, you know, like, like I said, characters to relate to each other. It was just like the space. So the idea that they were like, hey, let's develop everything else 
that with the idea of it being centered around this feeling or this environment is wild. Like to hand that to a writing crew and be like, hey, come up with some stuff for me is is an endeavor. <laughs> it also seems like uh, they, they, it must have felt like at the time, all right, they're really just trying to print money at this point. But it, but it ended up being a great movie. But at the time, I remember the I even I remember as like a five year old or a six year old, people saying, "Wow, they really, they're really reaching here." When I first when I first learned that, like way back when I first began, like my initial obsession, um, I actually I think it was my brother that told me, and he said it in a way where he was just like. You know, the movie's based off of the ride, right? In a way. And I fought against that fact for the longest time. I was in denial. And I don't know why I didn't like it. I think it's just because it came out of his mouth and the way it came out of his mouth. Just <laughs> but, like, you know, I understand, like, it feels like it's a money grab. They scraped the bottom of the barrel. But also, like, it snowballed into such, like, a big thing that, I don't know, like, you, you can... You just put the word ambition somewhere around that. I don't know. Like it's, it's, yeah, crazy. Because of the unusual idea of adapting a ride into a movie, Disney was unsure as to whether they should spend the money to release the film in theaters or release a direct to home video. In fact, Disney was so unsure of their own idea that Michael Eisner, former CEO of Disney, uh, asked the creative forces behind the film to remove the more overt references to the ride in the script. One example of a rejected reference is when the characters Jack Sparrow and Will Turner enter a cave through a waterfall in the script. So, like, you remember how, like, by the way, I'm ho- I, this whole podcast is, like, banking on everybody in the world having gone to the ride. <laughs> so, you remember in the ride how, like, you enter the world through a waterfall, the world yeah. of pirates? That's what it would be, what would be happening. Yeah. Um, by the way, kind of. Uh, by the way, one last thing on the ride. That's a great ride. I'm yeah. not. I'm not knocking the ride at all. I love Disneyland. Have you guys been to the ride since they renovated it? Yes. Uh-uh. Oh, oh wait. Oh wait. Like since which renovation? Well, I mean, I remember. I mean, I know there were multiple renovations, but I remember there was a period of time where it was closed for like months. Mm-hmm. Um, like a really, really, really long time. And then they had just recently op- reopened it. Um, not that long ago. I could be wrong. Don't okay. help me. I don't know if it was like earlier this year or like earlier last year. Um, I could be very wrong. But um, they, I don't know if, I don't, you guys just need to go. I don't want to spoil it for you guys. Okay. <laughs> the only thing oh. I've heard about the renov- recent renovations is that they took out, because they put in Jack Sparrow. For a while, I remember going there and seeing Jack Sparrow. Same. And during post that renovation, but I heard that they removed that. I don't know if it's true. I mean, the last time I went, I I went back in June and I saw him there. Okay. Um, and then they had like a whole. I'm gonna spoil it anyway. They had like a whole like battle scene, and there was Barbosa that was just kind of like like yelling out orders, and then you yeah, had yeah. like characters and yeah. So I so I went to the Pirates of the Caribbean ride in Florida. Mm. I think it was in 2017. And then coming to this ride here in California, it's just it everything felt like it came full circle. But I mean, if you guys haven't gone to the ride yet, it's it's definitely worth going to check out. Yeah. Last time I was uh, at Disneyland was uh, January 2020. And I, I for, okay, this is a total side tangent, um, yes. but we're, we're on a podcast, so it can be five hours long. Um, sorry, what was that? Oh, I was like, we like side tangents. Okay, cool. Yay. Uh, the exciting life of Andrew Gentile. Um, but no, I, I remember in December, I thought, well, God, in December of 2019, I thought for some reason... I got to go to Disneyland. Something's telling me I need to go to Disneyland. And then I went and I had the time of my life. And then March, the shutdown happened for the pandemic. And I was like, that was the right. I mean, it cost me money, but I was like, that was the right move. That was the right. Always listen to the little voice. Exactly. Little voice knows what it's talking about. 
let's put an asterisk behind that because I feel like if some people listen to the little voice, it, it's just it's chaos. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. It's like that's that that was for you, Andrew. That wasn't for me. <laughs> no, that makes sense. If anything, tell me not to listen to the little voice. Gotcha. The behind-the-scenes creative forces behind the Pirates of the Caribbean movie were producer Jerry Bruckheimer and director Gore Verbinski. Bruckheimer was already a known producer within the film industry, having produced action blockbusters such as Top Gun, Bad Boys, and The Rock. Before directing Pirates of the Caribbean, Gore Verbinski was best known for directing the 2002 horror remake, The Ring. Nice. A movie I haven't seen, by the way. Oh, is it good? It scared the living crap out of me as a younger person. Oh, really? Yeah, in a good way. Because I've always liked horror films, but um, certain ones have like particularly scared the bejesus out of me that I still have like I grip my teeth and have snuggle when I watch them. And The Ring is one of them. Nice. <laughs> that's a good move. That then that's a sign of a good movie. Mm-hmm. A number of actors were considered for the role of Captain Jack Sparrow, including. Hugh Jackman, Jim Carrey, Michael Keaton, Matthew McConaughey, and Christopher Walken. <laughs> Sorry, let that sink in for just a moment. Every single one of those names, I'm like, what, what, what? For, for Captain, they're good actors, but for Captain Jack Sparrow. Yeah, no, nobody could be him besides Johnny Depp. He, he sunk his teeth in, in the perfect way. I like nobody could do that. I was just like I was like I have I have no words. Like I was just when you said Matthew McConaughey in my mind I was thinking of uh, uh Fool's Gold and then Magic Mike. So <laughs> so I was thinking like Fool's Gold, Magic Mike, Captain Jack Sparrow and my brain kind of had like a little thing like love him, think he's great. Like he's a great actor, but yeah. So <laughs> all of them are Great actors. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, imagine the opening. Imagine the opening introduction of uh, Captain Jack Sparrow. Like the camera turns around, he's 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 you know the the uh, mass is going down in the water, and you just see Captain Jack Sparrow going all right, all right, all right. <laughs> I made it to dock. <laughs> A little swagger walk, but I think that's kind of the. I don't know. Now it's now it's an image that I can't get out of my head. I'm yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> oh man. Sparrow was initially imagined by the Korea forces to be even more cocky than he is in the final film, as opposed to Johnny Depp's off kilter take on the character. After researching 18th century pirates, Depp felt that they were comparable to rock stars and decided to base his performance off of Keith Richards, lead guitarist for the Rolling Stones. Um, by the way, spoiler alert for uh, Dead Man's... Uh, uh, At World's End, uh, the third Pirates, Keith Richards plays his father in the movie. Nice. Jack, yeah. So. Little, that little. that makes sense. Yeah. Anytime I see pictures of him in like real life, I, I feel like a pirate vibe. So I, I think that's pretty cool that he pulled from there. During production of the film, a number of actors wore contact lenses, including Depp. Depp needed the contact lenses to act as sunglasses to protect his eyes from the sun. Another actor who wore contact lenses was Mackenzie Crook, who played Rigetti, the pirate with the wooden eye. Two sets of contact lenses were made for Crook, a soft version and a hard version when his wooden eye needed to protrude. Crook is also known for playing Gareth in the original British version of The Office. Uh, Gareth is, uh, for listeners at home, American listeners at home, is uh, basically Gareth is the equivalent of Dwight. Oh. Oh, that yeah. seemed, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Don't hate me. I've never actually, like, fully seen The Office. I know enough about, like, the characters. I know who Dwight is. And I know the, like, the office romance and stuff like that. But whenever people make, like, office, like, inside jokes, it's just... No, that makes sense. That 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 happens to me with a number of things. Right there with you. I've never watched The Office in full either. Only a few episodes and, like, the characters and the love story, and that's it. <laughs> yeah. 
No, that, that but I, you see, the thing is, is that I had to say that. I had to bring up The Office because I want synergy in this podcast. You know, I want as many <laughs> listeners as possible. So I'm just throwing out references all yeah, over the place. Bring it in. Bring it in. Yeah. In order to convincingly incorporate the crew of skeletons into environments with live-action actors, the sequences with the moving skeletons were filmed twice. Once with the actors playing the skeletons on the set, which could be used as a reference for the computer animators, the second time would be with the live-action actors acting without anybody uh in the uh skeleton crew so what? like so like for example you know how like the so, so basically the british troops you know when they're fighting uh when they're fighting in the final film uh skeletons they're acting mm-hmm. to air that's insane their really choreographed they had to be so perfectly choreographed yeah whoever those sword fighter trainers are are amazing and I know that's hard to do as well. Like, people honestly knock on actors and just like, oh, it's like, just pretend it. But it's, it's hard. It's such, like, a difficult craft. Especially, like, I know I wouldn't be able to get out of my own head and be like, I'm literally fighting air. What am I doing? Like, I wouldn't, like, that. that whole, like, the cynicism behind it, I just would not be able to get my head out of it, and I would feel ridiculous. So for these talented actors to actually be able to go through and time their choreography, like, so well, it, it just, it's, they're really hats off to them. Like, they're so talented. I can't. It's right? Different. You, like, really have to let go of of what you think is silly. You know, they, they, people talk about these weird, like, acting exercises they get in class where you get to, like, be a tree or play as air or speak in a language you don't know. You know, anything to, like, break you free of being subconscious or insecure about what you're doing because you have to be willing to take those risks on screen or else you don't, you're going to run out of ideas really, really fast. And the idea, and this, that, for things like that, I mean, a, having a sword fight scene is a legitimate reason to be on film it's not like you know when you're in acting class and they tell you to be a tree like you're obviously never going to be a tree in a film but that exercise of freeing your mind and just being willing to go full force on something that doesn't make total sense is what makes a really good actor really good Mm -hmm. and so i think it's well worth it because that scene i would have never guessed that they weren't fighting people (laughs) right i also i want to give a shout out and yes, the actors, you know, they did a great job and they're important. You know, it's, it's, I'm, I'm just, I'm just totally for no reason, uh, crapping on actors. Uh, I, I love being unnecessarily made. Um, but the real, I think the real heroes of those scenes are the, are the computer graphic people, the computer effects people. In the back of my mind, I was just like, I hope. We talk about that because, yeah. like, to really go through and, like, frame everything. So this way, like, obviously you can time the choreography well, but also you have to place everything right. And it, and also, like, CGI and motion capture and everything like that, like, wasn't, like, back then wasn't the way it is now. Yeah. So I can only, like, imagine. them, And they're just, I'm, I was thinking, I was like, what if somebody, like, that worked on one of these films on the back end and the video editing... And everything like that. And they're just like, okay, well, what about us? She's like, we love you guys too. We love you guys. Disney ended up being so pleased with their project that they added The Curse of the Black Pearl as a subtitle to allow for the possibility of sequels. Verbinski was not a fan of this change as he felt it was confusing. In the context of the film, the curse is because of the Aztec gold coins, not because of the ship, the Black Pearl. I mean... If it sounds good, it sounds good. Yeah, yeah, I stand by the name. Yeah. Curse of the Aztec Gold is like, it's good. But the Black Pearl is like the main attention of the movie. Like, you would want that name in the title. It it makes sense because the black it's the Black Pearl's crew that is cursed. Yeah. Yeah, and if you, and as the series goes on, it, like, it can be argued that the Black Pearl is a little bit cursed you know anybody that tries to go after it ends up in deep doo-doo so um i also feel like just going off of uh 
Curse of the Aztec Gold. Like, just imagine what kind of, like, trajectory the series would have taken if, like, you went down, like, Aztec, like, history and mythology and all of that and just, like, how different everything would be. Um, I can't even hear the word Black Pearl or, like, just see, like, Black Pearl, like, jewelry without thinking about Pirates of the Caribbean. So it's, like, really, really influential, you know? It really, like, made him work on the market people know what they're doing, too, in this movie. They did know what they were doing, because although Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl, was predicted by industry insiders to be a box office flop, the film ended up grossing over $600 million at the box office and er- earned Depp an Academy Award nomination for Best Actor. Verbinski wow. and Brooke, Yeah. I mean, he earned it. He definitely <laughs> earned it. it. But it's such an oddball movie to get a nod at the Academy Awards. I mean, I'm grateful because they should be paying more attention to to films like this. Um, but it like that had to have been a shock to everybody, you know. Not in the sense that his performance wasn't deserving, but that it it it's been so notable that it it made its way to the Academy Awards, which is typically you know a mm-hmm, kind of place. Yeah. Oh, I was gonna say also just like like you said. Um, it was kind of a shock, but it also just kind of like opened the doors for a whole different demographic because people are like, there were no pirate stuff, like there was nothing, but it's like, okay, people will go $600 million in the box office to see pirates fighting on a ship and stuff like that. Like what other type of mythology, fantasy fiction, like genre did we not tap into or have we been overlooking for a while? So I feel like it just, it really changed a lot, kind of like. I mean, I'm not going to compare it to, like, Marvel and superheroes because, like, when the Marvel movies and the superhero movies came out, obviously now all we have are superhero movies. When Pirates of the Caribbean came out, like, the only Pirates of Pirates movies were Pirates of the Caribbean. But I also feel, like, good. Like, there there should be no other Pirates movies other than Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. Um, but that's also just me being greedy. So. All right. Ariana, Lamise. Closing thoughts on Pirates of the Caribbean. Closing thoughts? Wait, what? I was hoping for more. <laughs> These scripts are hard to write, guys. Come on. <laughs> I, I, this is, all right. I believe, I believe it. I believe it. Uh, I, I'll, I'll try better next time. Thank you. Thank you. I have high expectations here. <laughs> and I just enjoy talking about this movie. Mutiny against Andrew. Fun fact about the um, the environment of the film during filmmaking. Um, I just happened to be watching a Zoe Saldana interview the other day because there's all this talk of like maybe doing more Pirates movie and who's going to be in it and without Johnny Depp, blah, blah, blah. And somebody had asked her if she'd ever uh, be on board if they were to do another one. And she said something along the lines of, you know, it's a great film. They did a great job with it. Uh, I was, I'm grateful that I was a part of it and whatnot, but that she would never go back. It was very chaotic and, like, all over the place. Um, I was, like, I remember, like, reading something along the lines of her not being treated well on set. Because I remember after uh, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, like, after I'd seen it and I went back to watch Pirates of the Caribbean because I watch it, like, so often. I was, like, that's Zoe Saldana. And then I was, like looking at it and I like to like look at like the IMDb trivia facts and stuff and like it yeah she just didn't she made a comment about just how bad everything was um I forgot where I got this information from but it was like a discussion that I had where um the initial like main character of Pirates of the Caribbean was never supposed to be Jack Sparrow Mm -hmm. but um Elizabeth Swan um because it had like her as like the heroine and then you had like the two suitors the big like adventure that she goes on and then like her big I mean obviously all of the characters arc over the course of the series but um like with her specifically I think about it and I'm just like imagine if this movie started off as like this romantic adventure I mean obviously there's still a big element of romance but I would go so far as to say that it's not the main part um and so imagine if they stuck with it being one of the main parts, just how different the movie would be. And I just, I don't know. 
Yeah, I don't. I will. I'm not in love with that idea either. You know, earlier when I was doing my intro, and I'm like, every character has a want. Like I was kind of thinking about them all, and Elizabeth's character is the one with the most ambiguous want. You know, like I think at the end of the day, she just wants adventure. She's tired. She's just not a stuck at home kind of lady. So she wants to be out in the world. But it, that's not made completely clear in the in the movie until later. I feel like <laughs> I do want to touch on like the change that the movies had after the initial trilogy like when they removed will turner and they removed elizabeth swan and it was just jack sparrow um i just i feel like i understand where a lot of people are like oh i don't like the fourth movie i don't like the fifth movie because there's a lot of change um to me the fifth movie like you could feel like where the actors like felt tired almost but it still made me cry to be honest um at the fourth movie like obviously I love the first one it's in my heart but the fourth movie is also like very high up there if for anything because of the the mermaids that are in it but like you know people should go and watch it so that they can see the mermaids and yeah sorry I just I get excited so like I go all over the place (laughs) no that's understandable I mean we want you to chit chat about what you're passionate about what freedom around here that's what the podcast is all about yeah and I like hearing your thoughts on it I mean because this is like what people might see as a like uncomplicated fun movie you know something that maybe you don't or shouldn't look through like some type of artistic lens with like just leave it alone it's for fun Let's not talk about the holes or the weirdness or what, whatever might be there. And then, but to look at it through a, a cinematic lens and talk about the good parts of it, I think has value because there's a reason why this movie works. I mean, I get that it's fun and it's um, not necessarily making a huge statement about art, but as a story and to be captivated, it still connects a lot of people and is still relatable. And that has its own value. I love films that do that. I want to go watch it again. I already watched it today, but I want to go watch it again. <laughs> what about your thoughts, Andrew? Uh, I I hear it. I really like this movie. Um, it it's one of those movies where um, I can absolutely see it inspiring a whole other generation of of movie lovers. Um, for for me, it was surprise surprise Star Wars and Indiana Jones, uh, but. Um, for for a whole other generation, it could it, it could mo- very well be uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. I see its flaws more than uh, more than I see Star Wars's flaws, because I'm more of a Star Wars fan. You know what I mean? Like it's it's like if for a film nerd, there are like different camps of like uh, okay, here are the movies that I I just go to for comfort, and this is certainly a comfort movie, and that's. Mm-hmm. That's a legitimate category of uh, of enjoyment, and so uh, to kind of to say to a whole generation, well, it has plot holes in it there, and it's also based off a ride, therefore, it doesn't have value. Is that's kind of that's a dumb point, and I don't agree with that person, that imaginary person I came up with right now. <laughs> I'm sure they exist somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I get it. Then also, you know what? Pirates aren't for everybody. And you know what? That's that's fine. Because then it's more pirates for us, I guess. Um, I hope that they do, because I keep on looking up to see, like, if they're going to continue the series, like, this, that, and the third. And I do hope that they do continue it in some way, because they did, like, leave, like, a really big kind of cliffhanger at one of, like, the after credit scenes. And I am curious to see how that unfolds, but also in the, I think it was the, in the fifth movie, they showed a few scenes from um, Jack Sparrow's, like, teenage years, his past years, like, before he became the captain. And I know there's, like, Pirates of the Caribbean books out now. Um, To be honest, I don't even know where to start when it comes to like looking at the books or trying to read the books or anything like that but like I would be really interested to see like I mean after everything that happened I don't know if we'll get that um 
like, you know, the beginnings of Jack Sparrow. But like moving forward, I would like to see like the beginnings of a new Jack Sparrow, you know, in the sense of like, uh, you know, how in The Princess Bride, there's the Dread Pirate Roberts and like, you know, they succeed a new one and the old one goes and retires, but the name stays the same. Maybe in that sense of like, you know, I'm hoping that like, okay, there's Jack Sparrow. Okay, well, now there's Jacqueline Sparrow or whatever. And like the new Jack Sparrow is going to be a woman and like moving forward, like any like fun, uh, what's it called? Adventures that happen with like this new Jack Sparrow, your woman named Jack, whatever. It's like what the 16th century now, like it's like move forward or something like that. I don't know. I would be. I don't know. I think that would be a good idea to pitch and and maybe work on and stuff like that. And you know, I am a writer, so (laughs) (laughs) that's that's pretty cool that you you have that opinion. Not something I expected from a Pirates of the Caribbean super fan. You know, like you're you're in it for the magic of of the film and the environment it creates, not just the character. You know, and I, I think that's pretty cool. I like the idea of them reinventing it a little bit. I think it would be fun. And uh, the only the only thing that worries me is that they, like, cater to the younger generation a little bit. And um, I don't know how I feel about it being super direct like a lot of the new generational films have become. I get that 100%, and I agree with you. I also have noticed at least this is just on like my very niche like focus and like my algorithm like what I've noticed on like social media is that now like the younger generation like yes a lot of these movies are curated to the younger generation but they're not made by the younger generation for the younger generation they're made by middle generation and the older generation trying to appeal to the younger generation when really like a lot of the younger generation they're like no we want like um like, I saw a few videos of, like, the new Snow White movie that's coming out. People are like, what's wrong with the old school fairy tale guy saves the girl? Like, what? Like, we want this romance. We want. So I feel like if Pirates of the Caribbean continues, hopefully, and, like, my predictions are all correct, right? If Pirates of the Caribbean continues and there's this new generation of Pirates movies that comes out, they'll take that same risk that they took with the ride and keep true to the Pirates of the Caribbean like spirit instead of oh this is Pirates of the Caribbean but for Gen Z and for Gen whatever the generation is after Gen Z what is it Gen Alpha I don't I don't know um but like you know so I'm hoping that when that happens and they'll also have like previous actors previous writers previous people that worked on the film to come in and consult and hopefully Pirates of the Caribbean like the new versions the Pirates of the Caribbean won't crash and burn. And so this way we can enjoy it because initially they're sh- they should be made for us because we grew up with it. Kind of like, um, like you know how like Monsters, Inc. came out and then they came out with Monsters University. Obviously, I'm sure there's a lot of reasons as to why Monsters University came out so long after Monsters, Inc. did. But I saw this thing where like when kids were watching Monsters, Inc., when Monsters University comes out, these kids are now in college and stuff like that. So it came out right time so i'm hoping hoping that something like that happens where like when pirates of the caribbean moves forward like it moves forward with us in mind um i'm gonna close with a thought that is shared that was shared by johnny depp uh when he was asked why did you make another pirates movie after the fourth one that thought is i like money he literally said after when he was after he made the fourth one was for promoting it, or, or I think I think it was before or after he promoted it. Uh, he he was asked why are you doing a fourth one. And he said I like money. And I'm and I I concur, Mister Depp. I mean that's a very Jack Sparrow thing to say. Yeah, he's he's in character. Off. He's in yeah. character. Lamise. What's up? What do you have to promote? What do I have to promote? Yeah. This. where can people follow you how about that where can people follow me um i have an instagram and a twitter it's both at lamise 13 um should i spell out my name or like yeah anything so it's uh, at l-a-m-e-e-c-e the number one and the number three is my instagram and that's my twitter um i did 
or sorry, it's called X now, um, or something like that. No, I, it's still Twitter. Nobody, yeah, I know, but like gross. the app icon change on me, and I just I don't I don't like it. Oh, uh, gross. Uh, let's see. Uh, I don't have a Facebook, and I have a thread, like the Instagram thing, but I never use it. I don't. I, I feel like I I'm not attached to it. I do have a TikTok. Um, it's it's M E E C E M E E C E. So it's like my my nickname is like Meese to like my family and friends and stuff like that. It it's it came from having younger siblings that couldn't pronounce my full name and then it just stuck. So it's Meese Meese. Um, and yeah, I don't know if you guys are ever if anyone's ever interested in talking about like what it's like growing up in the United States as like a Muslim American woman from Palestine or anything like that like I'm always down to talk about that or just talk about like identity in general um or just having like existential crises like I will I'm always down to have an existential crisis with someone so just let me know I have them scheduled in my calendar regularly um can I take you up on that absolutely absolutely so we can schedule another zoom right after this if you want I don't know it's up to you but um but yeah I, a big thing that I guess I would want or like hope to share with my writing, and this is just like a a future thing, right? Just like I'm telling you guys right here, right now. So hopefully in the future when it comes true, we'll do that. But like a big thing that like I wanted to, I guess being comfortable with who you are in the sense of like being uncomfortable with everything around you but you're still comfortable with yourself it's it was hard growing up like I fought so hard against like learning my language like I my first words were in Arabic but now like I speak English more thoroughly than I do in Arabic and stuff like that and that like just hurts you know so I'm just hoping that like moving forward I can set an example and like and obviously this like a big goal that I have and I don't want it just for me I want it for all these other creators that are coming out and creating scripts and films and and everything like I want to set a better example because as like a big sister and stuff like that like I kind of carved the way for my siblings and I'm not saying that to sound like egotistical or anything like that but like I am like the experiment I am the tester and stuff like that so I'm hoping that like other younger girls or other um just children like growing up like they'll look on screen and they'll love their curly hair like they'll love their I say this like after my I had styled my hair and I just haven't washed it yet but my I love my curly hair but like you know like girls will like look at themselves on screen and be like yeah I don't need to like look like um have that ski slope nose or I don't have to have like you know perfect skin or anything like that like I want people to I don't, you know what I'm trying to say. Like, I just, I, I don't even know what I'm trying to say, but I just, a goal of mine is to just like, I guess, set a good example when it comes to like loving your culture and not being afraid to like, just welcome that despite everybody around you not being a part of that culture and like not being afraid to to educate others as well. Um, I feel like a big thing is like, yes, it's other people's responsibility to learn about cultures that are different from them but at the same time like they you don't know what you don't know so I I just like being comfortable enough to share things about your culture and about everything without feeling like you're going to be judged or like people think it's weird like no this is where I come from this is how it is it's different than yours I know you might think it's weird what you do is weird to me but like you know we can be weird together it's fine um so yeah that was my long-winded like telling you guys goal things yeah okay I'm- that's great that was great yeah that's beautiful I think that's a wonderful goal to have and nothing better to try to put into the artistic world to to share I mean what a wonderful wonderful beautiful goal you guys heard it here first <laughs> it was announced here it was uh I concur uh do you uh Lamise, Thank you so much for being on our program. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. This has been so wonderful. I'm so happy to meet you guys. And I'm going to call Tracy. Thank you, Tracy, for introducing us 
I love you, Tracy. Um, yeah, let's promote her stuff. Everybody go to Red Siren <laughs> Entertainment on any social media site, also online. Uh, Tracy's a great producer. She's a wonderful human being. She uh, sure is. But yeah, go look at her stuff too. And and yeah, I mean, this has been really great. And since I moved, like I hadn't been able to really like get back into the swing of things when it comes to like writing movies entertainment like that kind of stuff and this is just such like it was really nice to just like touch base and I feel so grounded right now and I really want to thank you guys for just like having me on here listening to my ramblings being patient when I lose my train of thought like it's (laughs) that's what we're here for I really appreciate it and it's just so wonderful to like have a conversation with like two really intelligent people um and it's and it's just yeah this is great and i hope we can do this again i know yes. i already called dibs on something so like, i don't i'm just saying when it comes out i want to do i don't want to say anything we have the emails to look back but i'm telling you i called dibs yes. so <laughs> you got, we got you on lockdown for a future episode everyone can look out it'll be a surprise and um, I'm equally grateful that you're here. You have a beautiful intent on this world. You've got, you're very intelligent and passionate. And I'm really grateful that we can just sit here and have a chat about movies because I don't get a ton of opportunity to do that either in my everyday life. So having a little time to be with good friends who have strong minds and passionate about the things that I love too is a wonderful thing. And I get spoiled every time we do a podcast. So thanks for coming over and spoiling us. You, you, you by the way, you you did a great job. You spun podcast gold, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I'm going to go tell my mom now. Good. <laughs> Listeners, if you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for future episodes, feel free to shoot us an email at independentcareerstudios at gmail.com. If you like this episode, please write a review and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, or YouTube. We'd love to hear your feedback. Behind the Flicks was created by myself and Ariana. I researched, wrote, and edited this episode. My name is Aaron Gentile. This has been an Independent Career Studios production. Do you, do you want to stick around while I do the closing? The closing uh, outro. Absolutely, Are you kidding me? I'm like. <laughs> okay, let, let me let me explain why I said that. Um, uh, we had we did a podcast uh, earlier today, and uh, the guy and uh, I did the outro. I just read the outro, and I thought, well, I just gotta quickly do this in order to you know have it in the recording and promote all our stuff. The guy just the guy just ripped into me, and he said, "Why did I have to be here to do that?" <laughs> In a friendly way. He was in a friendly joking, way. But... In a friendly way. <laughs> but I, I planted the seed of like, we, we oh. thanks. Sorry. Like, okay, never mind then. No, Cri- mind Chris then. Smith. Chris Smith was uh, uh, Tracy's friend. He he was like, uh, I don't know why I had to be here to do that. Anyway, uh, but I love Chris and he's great. All right, now I'm gonna. And he's also Tracy's friend. I'm gonna tell Tracy on him. Like, what? Oh no, it's gonna it's gonna be in the uh, it's gonna be in the episode. Him ripping into me. Oh yeah. I'm gonna okay. edit it in because it was kind of funny. Yeah, oh, it's okay. a good end. And <laughs> yeah, okay, in the name of comedy, and you said that you're sometimes mean. In the name of comedy, fine. Okay, I'll say it. But like, I was okay. You're you're getting ready to go to battle for us. I like it. I really want to have, like have my sword. I have my sword. Great. Ah, uh, thank you.